Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 54. All right, here we go. We've, this is good. We've been diligent in doing I think it doesn't feel this like is the pretty last, good. No, yeah, this last is, podcast wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I, I get a little nervous if it gets late in a month and we haven't done one, so I'll be very comfortable that we've done this relatively early in June here. Good. Um, so we had a couple of good things to talk about here today. I'm going to post... As I usually try to do, I'll post the articles we're referencing right below the podcast here. Uh, But Dave, let's kick it off with the first one that you sent me over the weekend. And let me just kind of read the headline here. One man wanted financial certainty and fun in retirement. Here's his formula. Right. Right. And it was talking about this. uh, This was in the Washington Post, by the way. It was talking about a guy who was an economist by training and just the way that he breaks down his finances and his kind of overall financial plan and the way he thinks about it. Right. And he put together his own, I get the impression he put together his own retirement plan. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's got the skill set that he can certainly do that. Definitely. think about things the right way. Definitely. Here, here, I'll just give you my take on what jumped out at me. You know, first of all, it says, you know, he's an economist by training. He loves spreadsheets, projections, data, and plans. Right, right? just like you. Yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I enjoy fiddling with. I love a good spreadsheet. Um, I imagine he's got some big, complex ones. Um, but here's, here's what I really liked. Well, let me set this up first. You know, Kane and his wife wanted certainty and peace of mind. I think that kind of goes without saying with most people in retirement. You know, what they don't want to have to worry about is month to month or year to year. Where am I going to get my income from? Am I going to be, I'll be okay if the markets go up, but if they go down, then I'll be in trouble. Not too many people want that. Mm-hmm. I By agree. not too many people, <clears throat> no, no one? I, no, I think people, when they think about retirement, want peace of mind, but we've met enough people to know that the certainty thing is not everybody because well, you, we are big proponents of certainty in certain sure. situations. Um, that just we feel that's the right way to go to create the best peace of mind you could, you know, try to put together with all this stuff. Right. So that's one of the things that attracted me to this article was that, however, this guy did it. It really follows suit with our philosophy, and yeah, certainty and. I think everybody's trying it. Peace of mind means different things to different people, but to create some certainty into your retirement plan is a big deal with us. Yeah. Well, and and I like the way that they broke this down in terms of his, on the asset side of the balance sheet. 
On the asset side of the balance sheet, it's going to include any sort of investments, but also pensions, social security, annuities, things like that. So here's how he breaks breaks it down. And this is pretty similar to the approach that we take with people where we talk about, you know, how much income do you have coming in no matter what the stock market does, no matter what interest rates do, all that stuff. And the first one, I'll just read this here. The first is what Kane calls certain or fixed income. Social security, annuities, and a pension. Fixed income covers 40 to 45% of their household spending. So, you know, what they're looking at there with the social security annuities and pension, those are things that they don't have to worry about the ups and downs of the market. They don't have to worry about longevity, you know, living too long. And this is coming right from our seminar that we do. They don't have to worry about their emotion and the feelings that you have when you see the markets going up and down. Right. Because that emotion a lot of the time leads people to make decisions that are not they're not rational, they're not in their best interest. Yeah. But- Here's what jumped out with me on that, which is a nuance of, of what you just said. When you read, we're not going to read the whole article to you. You all can read the article yourself. But when you read it, you can see that in retirement, these people are not like twiddling their thumbs, no. hanging out. They live a pretty fun lifestyle in retirement, take a lot of trips, and they're doing what they want to do. They really yeah. are. So what jumps out at me, which is definitely not going to fly with a novice person who goes into retirement planning just reading the internet, and a lot of advisors even, is the notion that this guy has a pension and decided to do some annuity planning to and social security create to create more right. guaranteed income yeah you and i to me compared to some of our you know other advisors out there you know we're basically if you don't have a pension mm-hmm. you should look into some annuity planning yep. besides just social security based on what you're spending this guy takes it to the next level so in other words there's different levels one level is you know, there's somebody who advertises, hey, um, I don't even know your situation, but I hate annuities. <laughs> okay, right. buddy. There's other people who would just, no matter what your situation, try to sell you an annuity. Right. And then the- there's the vast majority of advisors who look at a situation and, and would look at something basic and say, you know what? You're used to living in a certain lifestyle. Social security is only X amount. You might want to look into some annuity planning. This guy who's obviously knows what he's doing, takes it to the next level. Not only do I have a pension, Mm -hmm. I have Social Security, but I know what I want to spend in retirement, and I want even more certainty in income. So I found him to be, I wouldn't call it aggressive in his annuity play. I would just say very realistic in how he looked at how much he spends a month and put together an income plan that's going to say, regardless of the markets, I'm going to have enough income to really project out a a person who wants to go out to eat several Mm -hmm. times a week, wants to go on three or four vacations a year. Yeah, no, I. you're right. I kind of glossed over that part of it. You know, this is a previous paragraph. It says, not only do they want peace of mind and certainty, they also want to have fun. Uh, they love to travel. Patagonia, Jordan, Moscow, Thailand, Bali, uh, Great Barrier Reef. They're headed to Europe this summer. He likes to go skiing out west at least three times a winter. You know, not going up to Whitetail or something. He's going out in the real powder. Um, they eat out at least twice a week. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, that's a good point. It, is this is somebody who likes to spend money? 
you know, it, it goes without saying that if you're just going to sit around and do nothing and not spend any money, yeah, it's pretty easy to plan it for that. It also says, it also goes to, hey, be honest when you're going to put together a retirement plan. Be honest about what you really think right. you, you, you want to spend or are going to spend in retirement. So then, you know, if you're working with an advisor, the advisor can put together a plan that's realistic about what you're really, you know, going to spend. Right. All right, so he's got that that level, just going back to what I was saying, the certain or fixed, that's the social security annuities, a pension. Um, and then he goes to the next level, which is what he calls predictable income. Um, and this is basically dividends from investments, interest off of investments, something that you could look at and say, okay, I've got this portfolio, maybe it's got a dividend or interest yield of 3% overall, so I know that I'm gonna get probably going to get that income. And sure, if the economy goes down and companies cut their dividends or something happens, I might get a little bit less, but it's it's going to be predictable. Maybe I don't get 3%, maybe I get 2.5, maybe I get 3.5. You know, it it should be somewhere in that range. Um, And then, of course, he goes from there up to the higher growth investments. And this is always where we take that approach that... Yes, we need to have things to take care of expenses now. We need to have that predictable income, but we also expect you to live for 25 or 30 years in retirement. Right. And you've got to have something that's going to grow over that time period. The other thing he throws out, and then we'll leave this, but the other thing that he threw out there, and this is, again, it was so nuanced, but what I loved about the article was he was looking at those expenses he has every month and he's being realistic about it. And he says, I have to pay for this, that. Of course, I have long-term care insurance. Right. And that's where I'd like to see more retirement articles with people who have asked us to protect. Not because most retirement articles you read when long-term care insurance comes up, you'll start to get a remedial little paragraph. Long-term right. care insurance pays for nursing homes and assisted living. It's something that you should think about if you have assets to protect and then they move on yeah i'd rather have what it should be you have assets like this person has right you have assets to protect you're putting care of. it's not eh, i don't know about long-term care it's just <laughs> something i have yeah it's an expense that i have to have it any plan i think they mentioned that any plan could blow up mm-hmm. if you all of a sudden have expenses of sure you know 80 100 150 a year that's gonna and so i have that that, and again, that doesn't mean long-term care insurance is for everybody. But when you start to think about the word certainty, you know, and uncertainty, which is what we try to do is say, if something happens, you're certain your whole financial plan is not going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Long-term care insurance should be more of the norm, more of a, yeah, of course, for people who have assets to protect. Yeah. Uh, versus one of this still, you know, these remedial paragraphs that to me, just sort of poo-poo it. But they didn't really poo-poo it in this. They sort of assumed it, which I liked in the article. No, absolutely. All right, let's shift gears here. And we've got... There it is. You hear it, Dave? Yes. Ah, the music. <laughs> we've, this is probably the latest that we've ever buried a Barry Rifholtz segment. Yeah, we always do it at the top of a podcast. The top of we rarely even prepare. Today we have two big things to talk about. That's usually the reason why. But yeah, well, this one I just saw today, and and I 
I liked this just because I often hear some of these, and some of these I hadn't thought about, but the title of the article, once again, posted, link is posted down below, 10 Things People in Finance Should Never Say. Um, these trite and trite and vapid statements deserve a decent but hasty burial. Um, and he goes through these things that, that people in finance love to say, and I, I'm sure we've all you know, it's been a verbal crutch or something that you go yeah. to and, and you go, eh, maybe that wasn't the most yeah. meaningful. I read this and there's some that we've done, but there are others we don't. Oh, yeah. You and I. But yeah, and I mean, some of them I, I don't think are that pertinent to what we do. Um, like a lot of people on CNBC or any of these stock analysts will say, this is the next Amazon or this is the next Uber right. or you know, they use that as an example to say, okay, they're really going to disrupt an industry. They're going to change the way something has been done for a long period of time. I, you know, I don't know if he doesn't like that just because it's overused, but I, I think it kind of helps people to understand, yeah, it's going to change things entirely. Um, here are the ones that I, I really like and I think apply to, to a lot of the people we work with. Um, this one where people say the easy money has already been made, right? Okay. And th these are things, this is one that you've probably heard since the financial crisis when the market's been going up pretty much for the last decade. You know, we've had a right. few blips here right. and there. People will say, well, you know, all the big gains have already happened. All the easy money has been made. Right. And people said it back in 2011. They said it in 2013. They said it in 15. They said it in 17 not just the odd years, they said in all the years. Um, and the truth of the matter is, the market is valued based on the collective opinions of everybody out there, right? The negative, the positive, all this collective sentiment, and this idea that it's easy money at any point, if it was easy money, then everybody would be in. Right. You know, there, there's no, oh, it's easy money, but I don't really want that right now. I'm just right. going to sit on the sidelines. Yeah, it's actually kind of a cue. It's almost like a psychological cue to time the market when right. someone says that, and that never makes sense. Yeah. Um, Plus, it wasn't easy to actually invest at the bottom of the market, like when things were tanking and the Dow was at whatever it was at, 6,000. Well, that was not easy money when you in hindsight that looks <laughs> like easy money. money yeah i mean i can sit here 10 years later and say oh that was so easy right. no it wasn't easy exactly um this one i love that that uh, when people and this will often come in the category of people pro, uh, being proponents for investments like gold or you know some alternative type of investment strategy where they will say, well, if it weren't for the Federal Reserve propping everything up, then gold would be at 5,000 or you know something like that. Think, well, the, the Federal Reserve is manipulating the market and that's the only reason why we're at whatever level. And in the article here, he, uh, he quotes from um, famous investor Ray Dalio Investors must embrace what reality is, not some version of how they want it to be. So if the if you really believe the Fed is manipulating things, then you've got to invest according to that, not according to if right. they didn't manipulate Which things. Which reminds me of, do you remember we went to that conference thing at the... Uh 
Turf Turf and Valley Country Club in Baltimore. Right. Oh yeah. How many years ago was that? It was a long time ago. I would guess it was 2013 or yeah, so. I yeah. think it was around then. And that guy who was, I think he was like yep. a former formal Fed, Fed uh, of Dallas, president of the Federal Reserve yeah, Bank I in Dallas. His name, but he was like, oh, it's obvious. You know, once the quantitative easing stops, then you're just going to see the yep. market's going to tank. Yep. Yep. And that's coming up. And we're he, like, wow, that sound that presentation sounded great. You and I were like, that really sounds that guy made it sound like that's like gonna happen. He and, had these spreadsheets that showed based on inflation and interest rates and current valuations, the market was twenty five percent overvalued. And, you know, once the, the market realizes this, it was gonna correct that was 2013. Yeah, if you were like an advisor you know, what, who went to that and you based your what you're doing with your clients based on that meeting then in hindsight <laughs> you did your clients a disservice yeah because like you said it is awfully hard don't get into the predicting what the stock market is going to do business based on that right um a couple other things that he had here you know the this one about the future obligations of social security and medicaid will bankrupt the country um you know people will throw that out a lot now, I, I would disagree with him a little bit here because what he's saying is people look at the expenses, how they're going to rise, but they're not looking at the revenue side of things and saying, well, tax revenues are going to go up as well. But I think, and I don't have the data in front of me, but I think even when you factor that in, it's a larger and larger percentage of you know of the federal I'm 100% budget. Hundred percent agree. I read that, and that was the one thing that jumped out. It's like, whoa, yeah, I don't think that's going to bankrupt the country because we'll figure out what to do. But it is a right. growing <laughs> debt that is always affecting uh, the kind of planning that we do, and has to be watched out for as the years go on. Is a big part of all this stuff. So yes, I'm with you on that one. Right. Um, and then the last one he has here is home buyers caused the financial crisis. Um, <laughs> you know, and I like how he puts in here the short, rather unsatisfying answer is of, as to who caused the crisis is it's complicated. Um, and I think most people know that there was, you know, the banks were lending without proper regulations. The credit agencies were certifying this as AAA paper without doing any, right. you know, real credit. People were borrowing and not having income. And, you know, so there was there was a lot of blame to go around there. Um, but I, I take the larger point from this to be that people based on their political leanings will put bias, you know, one way or the other, say, well, it was the home buyers or it was the banks or yeah. it was, you know, and you always have to have that in your mind as to who's the person with this opinion here. Yeah. All right. Good show. Cram packed right. full of stuff. Well, that's for the listeners to decide, but oh, well, I'm I thought it was a good show. show. I, I agree it. with you. Yeah. All right. We'll check back in with you next month.